0: Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book, The Power of Ritual by Casper T'Kill. Keep listening to find out how CrossFit and Harry Potter can bring spirituality back to our secular lives. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark. I am a facilitator, team coach, workshop creator, and host of Seth's Business Bookshelf where every week I bring you the top 3 ideas from the best non-fiction books I've been reading and generally doing the reading so you don't have to. This is episode 88 of the podcast. Getting up to that big 100, I've got a couple of special things planned. Thank you as well to if you have signed up for the bookmark, which is my new newsletter which I have been procrastinating on and ignoring all of the advice I read and all the productivity books I read for about the last nine or ten months so if you have already signed up for that thank you very much if you haven't don't miss out the first little newsletter is going out next week so get in quick and sign up you can find the link to that right at the top of the show notes make it super easy for you click that put in your email address i won't send you anything that you don't want and i look forward to sharing some bookish ideas with you Right, I'm excited to get into this week's book because I read it pretty recently after hearing about Casper on the This Working Life podcast, which is an ABC podcast here in Australia with Lisa Leong. You should listen to that if you don't already. It's a really good one. And uh, I've actually been guesting on that a couple of times. So that's not why it's great, by the way. It's great anyway. I have also been guesting on it a couple of times, talking about books with Lisa. We've been sharing a couple of our favourite workbooks that we come back to. But he was on there a couple of weeks ago talking about rituals and loneliness and and some of the the lack of connection we have and not just unique to 2020 I don't think he had any idea well I'm pretty sure he didn't have any idea that he would be bringing his book out at a time that we're maybe less connected in many ways certainly physically than we have ever been. Now funnily enough what I hadn't realized at the time is that Casper's work is also referenced in one of my other favorite books which is The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker you can listen to my episode on that I'll put a link to that in the show notes and Casper's work is actually referred in that and Priya's work is actually referenced in his book so there's lots of overlap with other things that I like which is always a good sign that I might like this and I absolutely love the book and again I know I know my, these, these podcasts are really about the ideas and sharing the ideas rather than necessary reviews but I'm going love, love this book five stars definitely anyway let's share a little bit more about the book if you haven't heard of the book and of Casper's work let's get into that now After half a decade of research and hundreds of conversations with people around the country, I am convinced that we are in the midst of a paradigm shift. That what used to hold us in community no longer works, and that the spiritual offerings of yesteryear no longer help us thrive. What do cycle, gratitude journals and tech breaks have in common? For Casper, they offer rituals that create the foundation for our modern spiritual lives. We are in crisis today. Our modern technological society has left too many of us, no matter our age, feeling isolated and bereft of purpose. Previous frameworks for building community and finding meaning no longer support us. Yet Casper reveals a hopeful new message. We might not be religious, but that doesn't mean we are any less spiritual. The power of ritual reminds us that what we already do every day matters, and that the potential to become a powerful experience of reflection, sanctuary and meaning. And that's a little bit about the book taken from Amazon. A little bit more about the author. Casper Tequil is helping build a world of joyful belonging. He's the author of The Power of Ritual and the co-host of the award-winning podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which I'd never heard of before I got into this book. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, that's probably why. Casper is a Ministry Innovation Fellow at the Harvard Divinity School and holds a Master's of Divinity and Public Policy from Harvard University. With his team at the Sacred Design Lab, he has co-authored the seminal paper How We Gather from 2015 and his work has been featured in the New York Times, the Atlantic Magazine and the Washington Post. He and his husband, Sean, live in Brooklyn, New York. Again, taken from Amazon. I do have to share a little bit something, a little bit fun with you. A few weeks ago, a few months ago now, I was regularly sharing what I was drinking at the time of recording my podcast, and people would often send me messages, like more often than I than I thought they would, saying, you know, which matcha brand should I, should I try if I've not had matcha before, or what's your favourite kombucha flavour? So instead of drinking this morning, because I can't, because I currently have a very large pillowcase over my head, not just over my head, over my face, that would be... I'd say that would be strange, but this is kind of strange already, over my head and the microphone, because what I've realized since moving house is that this room is very echoey. And when I was on another podcast the other week, the producer, who is obviously excellent at sound engineering and these kinds of things, was like, oh, you just need to put a towel over your head or a sheet or something. So this is what I'm trying. This is the first one, and I am intrigued to find out if it uh, if it improves the sound quality. Anyway, so if I sound kind of like I'm under a sheet, that's exactly why it sounds like that. All right, let's get into the three big ideas of the power of ritual. Number one, ritual is for everyone. I like this because we're likely already doing parts of this and there was multiple things in the book that I was like, oh, well, I'm already doing that. Excellent. And it's not necessarily that I'm already doing that and that means it's good or it's done or I'm I'm getting the benefits from it because the point is then that it needs to be a little bit more intentional. I'll talk about that in a moment. So there's examples in the book around when we cook, when we eat, when we read, how we exercise, how we travel. All of those different things can be ritualized. And it's about looking at what gaps you'd like to fill. Like where are you lacking community? Where are you lacking connection? Where are you lacking some of those habits? Maybe you're not spending enough time in nature. So how can you create a ritual around that? And the thing that is particularly, I think, pertinent and useful in this book is that you don't need to believe in anything. And this is the idea that ritual is for everyone. In the book, Casper takes from various different practices from different religions, from different um, ancient ways of doing things that maybe were spiritual but not necessarily religious and also from completely secular things like CrossFit and how exercising together and I'll talk about the actual the four ways of, of building rituals or the four things you can build ritual around in the next big idea. You don't have to be religious to do these things but you can benefit from the rituals and the ways of doing things from from yesteryear which have maybe lost some of their relevance or their their current formats have lost their relevance so how can we bring those into to other ways of living it is about connection and it's also remembering that these things are necessities it is essential for us to connect with each other and other people and it is not a luxury to do that now the the point about not having to believe in anything I personally found particularly appealing because I am not religious I consider myself an atheist so some of the even language around spirituality, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how that really resonates with me. So this book was also really helpful from a personal perspective in, in kind of, you know, <laughs> demystifying, pun intended, uh, the idea of spirituality and, and, and what that can actually mean. So that's big idea number one, ritual is for everyone, and you're likely already doing parts of it. So it's about painting down which bits could be a little bit more structured in some ways. Big idea number two, and this bring this actually makes up the the format of the book is the four types of ritual. Number one is connection with self, and then the the elements of that are sacred reading, or the ideas from that are sacred reading, and the Sabbath. Sacred reading is about generally picking a fiction book and and reading it as if it is a sacred text, and this is exactly what Casper and his co-host Angie do on their podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Uh, they they read it chapter by chapter and, and really analyse each paragraph. Think about how the characters are feeling, what the impact is on their life, what are the different imagery things that are being used by by J.K. Rowling in the in the book. So this sacred reading is about picking generally, and they said you know they did say generally a fiction book, not exclusively, but generally a fiction book, and maybe once a year or at certain times, using that book to to come back to and almost anchor. The other point on connecting with self is the Sabbath. Now, this is something that I have actually tried since hearing about Casper talking about it on the podcast and then have honed a little bit more since reading it in the book. The idea of the Sabbath is that, and he uses the the traditional Jewish Sabbath, which is from sundown on a Friday evening to sundown on a Saturday. That's not necessarily when you have to do it. It could be be another point. But the idea is for, for him that you actually use this time to connect with yourself. That's what this whole chapter is about. Connecting with self and for him that means doing a tech bit of a tech detox. So he uses that time to put his phone away, put his technology away, switch off, light it he for him he light he marks that time with intent and coming into that Sabbath with by lighting a candle and singing a little a little song. I don't do that, by the way, so in case please don't contact me and ask me what song I sing. I do not sing a song yet, then maybe that would come. And, and really uses that time to to do the things that he would love to do and, and, and the stuff that, you know, we all say we would love to do but never get round to because we get distracted by other things. So he uses that time to connect with himself, to maybe go for a walk, maybe do some reading, but reading more for pleasure and really just, just allow himself to be himself, which I like. So I've been doing this, I've been calling it Analog Saturday. So Friday evening, my phone and everything goes away, it will get switched off. And then I actually go through to Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I'll get everything back out again and generally do a bit of work on Sunday. So that's, that works better for me. So I spend Saturday, Saturday doing analogue things, which has been really good so far. The Next, the second of the four types of ritual is connection with others. And he puts that into the two categories or suggests two categories of thinking about eating with others and working out with others and gives heaps of examples of how those two practices have brought groups together, families together, and people have found unlikely solidarity and camaraderie with other people through those two quite simple acts. And this is where some of the, you know, you see almost that the cult-like status of things like CrossFit, of SoulCycle, of some of these other exercise groups in particular. And it's because of that connection, the community that is created in those boxes, those gyms, those groups, is hard to beat and having been part of those types of places before I can certainly attest to that and it really made me miss it as well and and obviously being in lockdown at the moment those things aren't available currently Uh, I've obviously still been working out but I it really reading those things really made me miss that that community that membership of being part of something bigger when you're doing something like some pretty heavy exercise in particular so eating and working out is a great way of connecting with others Third part is connection with nature. And the three things that he suggests for that, or three ideas he gives that are a pilgrimage, celebrating the seasons and reimagining us and the natural world and the relationship between those things, which is obviously pretty connected. I particularly liked out of those three, I particularly liked the idea of the seasons and using that as a really great way of actually bringing people together for eating together. I thought that was a really nice way of kind of combining a couple of them, connecting with nature, eating in a more seasonal way and then using that to actually create really great ways of connecting with other people to celebrate the the seasons. And then the fourth and final type of ritual is connection with the transcendent and the, the idea for that one is prayer. Now I've got to admit, when I got to that chapter and I saw connection with the transcendent and then the idea being prayer, I thought oh this whole book has been a lie, it's been a trick, it's been trying to make me religious this whole time. Now, I definitely would need to reread that chapter a couple of times to, to really make it sink in for me. But the, the bit that has really stuck with me is that prayer doesn't need to be to someone. It is a conversation with yourself. And it can almost be a way of, in some ways, journaling out loud or doing your gratitude out loud and, and having some of those conversations with yourself in, in a form of prayer. I think the, the challenge is that these, these words are so associated, obviously, with religious practice. It's very hard. And I certainly find it very hard to separate them into its almost its fundamental principles of what is it actually doing? It is a way of connecting. It is a way of really being close to how you're feeling and, and thinking about life or thinking about other people or whatever it needs to be. So that is one that is funny after doing, you know, I always find it a little bit too, too easy with the other three. You're like, Oh, yeah, I could do these some of these things. And I can see how that would really benefit me and not doing it for the sake of ticking a box and just doing it. But doing it for you know to, to benefit you know and fill in some of the gaps in my life and then i got to that last one i thought oh yeah maybe not casper maybe a bit too far but i'm looking forward to going back to that one after putting some of the other things in place and and giving it a go so we go that is the four types of ritual the connection with self connection with others connection with nature and connection with the transcendent finally big idea number three is the permission to be creative It was a really interesting point in the book that I've talked about a couple of times with people, actually, because it really stuck with me around the difference between tradition and convention. And that convention is the death of tradition because it's black and white, it's dull, it's the systems and the processes and the formalities that get in the way of what things actually mean or meant and could mean or be. That's when we're getting, that's when things have lost their relevance or certain practices or groups or memberships have lost their, lost their relevance is through just pushing convention. Whereas tradition, they talk about as the opposite of routine. It shows us how to live and then it tweaks and it changes along the way. And I really like that he has, and he uses this language around unbundling tradition. So he's broken things down to their component parts. And you know, he's taken the best elements of Judaism, of Christianity, of Buddhism, of islam and taken elements of them and said right well this is great because it does these things it connects us with ourselves or it connects us with others or it connects whatever it happens to be but also older things like more pagan type religions or, or ways of ways of living and just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. So this is the, the good thing about being able to be creative and that permission that he gives to be creative. And it's not sacrilegious to, to take some of these things if we're taking a, a meaningful and doing it in, in in a way with intent. So he's taken things from different places or given us permission to take things from different places. And it could be religious, previously religious type things, or it could be the bits from your childhood. Like what rituals did you have growing up in your family that you'd like to re reenact or restate with your friends with your family or it could be something that a friend's family did either someone you grew up with or someone you know now and you think that is amazing I wish we'd done that in my family borrow that tweak it change it to what you need and make it happen and mash it all together to create the meaning and the connection in those four areas with yourself with others with nature and with the transcendent that you need And this is the biggest thing is that this book is a collection of ideas. So even those things that I mentioned in Big Idea Number Two around the sacred reading, the Sabbath, working out, pilgrimage, etc. It's a collection of ideas to take from, not a script to follow. That would be slightly, I think, a bit hypocritical and slightly ironic if this was like, this is how you do it. Here's a really strict rules and all the things you need to do. But it is about being intentional. And I mentioned this earlier because with all of those you might think actually no I'm pretty connected to myself I don't don't need those things but nature really not getting enough of that so take those play with them do do what you need to do and take from other places and and there'll be more than just the ones obviously mentioned in the book so look around and speak to other people and find out what is it that they do to connect with nature and and where can you learn from them and, and maybe make that a social connection experience as well. So there we go that was big idea number three the permission to be creative which is something i'm really excited about as my analog saturday ritual evolves over time so we go three big ideas from the book the power of ritual by casper Turkwill. number one ritual is for everyone number two the four types of ritual and number three the permission to be creative i hope you've enjoyed this episode and found it useful if you have if you've read this book i'd love to know if you've got questions i'd also love to know All my contact details are in the show notes as usual, but otherwise, until next time, happy reading.